Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, joined shortly here by Chris Zarnick. And just when we didn't think that the Packers and Cowboys could put on a game that was better than 2013 or better than last year's divisional playoff game, we get yet another instant classic. And yet again, the Green Bay Packers come out on top, this time 35-31 to after an Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams touchdown pass with 11 seconds left in the game. And there is a ton to get to in this game, Chris, but this is just another one of those that you kind of lose yourself in it. Uh, you, you don't really care about the future. You're just in marvel of one of the greatest players we've ever seen. So I'm exhausted. I, I have to tell you <laughs> that uh, watching the game, you and I were uh, texting back and forth during the game, and my son Ben and I were watching the game. And, um, you know, the highs and lows of the game were, were very much like they were, um, you know, last year in the, uh, in the championship game or in the divisional round. And... Um, I think what was fascinating about the game is that uh, when when each offense took the field, we were talking about this a little mm-hmm. bit before we went on air, there wasn't this – you had this hope, this, this dream that maybe the defense would step up or somebody would make a play. You didn't really have a lot of confidence in mm-hmm. it. And then and then when, when the Cowboys scored, you go, okay, well, we still have Aaron. And um, – I hope someday that that's not <laughs> not the way it goes, but uh, but boy, Aaron is something to watch, and I hope you guys are enjoying this because this is uh, this is football played at its highest level, and um, and Aaron Rodgers is just Picasso out there. Absolutely, and particularly towards the end. So he played great for the entire game. Uh, ended up with a quarterback rating well above a hundred. Another three touchdown passes, no interceptions. Again, behind that somewhat makeshift offensive line. But that last sequence, so on third and eight, he scrambles away from pressure, basically breaks one tackle, outruns another person, gets about 20 yards to give them a real shot to run a standard red zone offense to the end zone. Then he throws to Devontae Adams. It's a little bit off. Him and Devontae, apparently Devontae comes to the sidelines and says, I haven't beat give me another shot, and Aaron throws it basically exactly where Devontae Adams had told him to throw it. I cannot think of, in the history of the NFL, a player that could do both the third and eight scramble and that touchdown pass at the end. Maybe Joe Montana in his absolute prime, maybe Steve Young or Roger Staubach in his absolute prime, but there are some Hall of Fame quarterbacks that can't make both of those plays. I got to tell you, that uh, 18-yard run, you know, first of all, if he takes a sack there, you're in real trouble. Trouble, and yeah. so, um, but but he knows where it's like a chess game to him. He knows where everybody is. He knows based on the coverage that he sees. Uh, he he was mentioning that he saw that it was going to be man to man coverage, which means that the one the uh, quarterback is not accounted for as a, as a running player or somebody who can and run with the ball, and also that most of the defensive backs will have their back towards the quarterback. And, and that's where really big scrambles come from. Dak got a couple on us as well in yeah. that same regard. But you're right. I mean, 32, is it 32 or is it is he 30? 33, he's almost 34. Almost 34 years old, and he's outrunning 24- and 25-year-old. Now, defensive tackles and linebackers, but come on. He's yeah. 10 years younger than him, and he's still outrunning them. And you're right, he broke that one tackle. And uh, I, I got to tell you, so I was listening to uh, – one of the Packer radio stations, the the fan, one yep. seven five mm-hmm. fan, and um, to hear Aaron Rodgers describe it, Devontae Adams after the pass was incomplete in the corner of the end zone where he went right back to the exact same play. Devontae came back and said, "Run it again," and he said. Then Devontae kind of rolled his eyes as if to say, 
but just throw me a better pass, okay? <laughs> and so, but, but what was what I didn't even realize the level was is that uh, Aaron was talking about do we show it throw, shoulder high or shoulder low? So mm-hmm. if you sh- throw shoulder high, Devontae goes up and gets it shoulder low is a back shoulder fade where he stops and bring it in. So, so you know, if you think any of this stuff happens by accident, these plays have been practiced hundreds of times uh, on the practice field, and, and it sure came out when it needed it. And to be able to do it perfectly when the chips are down. I mean, there's a hundred. Um, Mark Chimura likes to call them the Oneida Hall of Fame, I think he calls it. The people that can do it perfectly in practice and can't do it in the game. There you go. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers and, and now Devontae Adams really emerging as one of those really, really clutch players. I don't want to get too deeply into this, but I, there's probably going to be a lot of talk about this now, but... Aaron still maybe has to do more of this in the pre in the uh, the postseason, but the long for the longest time the knock on Aaron Rodgers was he couldn't come back, mm-hmm. and now he never doesn't come back. It seems like the last what three years, four years, and I think now he maybe has officially once and for all, if he hadn't already last year, checked that final box and. I still think that there's arguments for all these players, but Aaron Rodgers is absolutely forevermore in the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time. I think so. So uh, if if I know Aaron Rodgers at all, and I don't know him personally, but from all the stories about you know him not getting drafted until the Packers took him late in the first round and him keeping that chip on his shoulder throughout his whole career, I mean, if people said he couldn't come back, you, you bet money that he has spent the last three or four years perfecting the art of the two-minute drill. And, you know, I think he can do, do just about whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. The throws he makes are unbelievable. His reads are unbelievable. And, um, you know, Tom Brady, listen, it's super hard to argue he's not the greatest quarterback of all time because he has five rings. Yeah. Now, we could argue that, I suppose, because some would say the luckiest quarterback. But, yeah. uh, um, but who's the best quarterback playing right now? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And it's not close. And – Brady, we've had this argument ad nauseum on this podcast. Brady's absolutely in the conversation. If that's your answer, I'm fine with that. But you got to come with at me with more than rings because Willie McGinnis ain't better than Reggie White. Yeah, there you go. You know, so <laughs> you got to have got more than too. that. Yeah, exactly right. All right, so uh, let's talk about some of the other teammates. And obviously the one to start with is um, Devontae Adams, who makes that awesome interaction with Aaron Rodgers, makes that amazing catch, had another touchdown earlier in the game. This was a guy who 10 days ago was knocked unconscious, and for a few moments, many of us wondered, honestly, if he would ever play again. If he would ever play the game at all. We, we have seen Packers leave the field under those circumstances and never and never put shoulder pads on again. So this recovery in 10 days is... Uh, hard to believe because mm-hmm. if you saw the shot, I mean, they showed the shot on uh, on, on uh, during the game. Yeah, and I think they showed a new angle and it looked even worse. It was even worse, right? I mean, it was it was crown of helmet to face mask and just this whiplash effect that I didn't really see. hard. Yeah. Uh, I think what you have seen though is Jordy Nelson has been the go to guy for many many years, and and I think he's still super incredibly good. Super, mm-hmm. you know, you've got one A and one B, but but I think Devontae Adams is now the guy that he looks for when times get tough. It used to be Jordy, but because Devontae is so incredibly athletic, and if you've never gone on YouTube to see Devontae Adams put the basketball through his legs yep. and then dunk, um, you would, you get a whole new appreciation for how, how athletic he is. But around the end zone, you are starting to see him go to Devontae a lot more. Uh, he, he's throwing to um, 
Jordy Nelson on routes and plays, but when it's just put the ball up in the air and go make a play, it's almost always Devontae Adams, and I'll be darned if he doesn't come down most of the time with the ball. Yeah, and it's amazing that if you go back a year and a half, it didn't seem like this was going to be the end game for Devontae Adams. And I remember uh, Matt saying on, on the podcast last year that it just seemed like he figured it all out at once. He, here was a guy who he's always been this athletic freak, but he didn't seem to be very good at uh, catching contested balls, and he would run kind of lazy routes. He'd have a case of the drops. And he and Aaron had a rapport, which is important, so Aaron knew that he was fully committed, and he's just more patient than us because he's in the rooms with him. He knows him personally. And for them to stick with him, and really during the slump last year when the rest of the team was falling away, that's when Devontae Adams kind of ascended and the rest of the team had to kind of catch up. And he's been at that point this year too. And so to see the patience pay off of not only Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams uh, and, and really the team to keep putting him in those spots uh, is really remarkable. And then to have him overcome the injury is just, um, he, he's a core guy now. I think he's a guy that's going to be in Green Bay as long as he wants I, to be. I think so. I think he'll get a great extension. And, and it gives us hope for Demarius Randall. So so yeah. if people, uh, if, if you think about it, so I saw it a number of times when, when I was coaching that a player that had been made it made it through uh, high school or college simply because he was more physically gifted than everybody else on the field. When he starts competing with people who are as physically gifted and, and can't automatically just win and it comes down to form and it comes down to route running and it comes down to just doing things the right way, there's initially a real frustration on their mind where they just throw their hands up and, and that's when they start talking stuff and they just they don't know how, their frustration of not being able to do what they've done to other players for their whole career comes out. And uh, and you're seeing a little of that with Demarius Randall. I you know I have some other issues there, uh, mm-hmm. not just the immaturity, but boy, Devonte is uh, you know I think it's contract year for him if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and um, I think he's uh, I think he's going to earn every penny of it, and he'll he'll stay here as long as he wants. And the frustration um, with last year's off season, where they definitely went out and got free agents, but. You know, one of our players from last year has four interceptions for the Buffalo Bills, Micah Hyde. Uh, old Julius Peppers, who's worthless, has five and a half sacks for the now resurgent Carolina Panthers. It was sad to see some of those guys go, but I think one of the reasons they did is they were saving some money to re-sign Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I think there are some players that, you know, that, that you can get frustrated with. But remember, you know, we see the players once a week on the field. And so we think we know them. But we it's 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 hard to forget or it's hard to remember that the coaches see them all day long every day are talking to them. Yeah. They see them in practice. They see them going up against their own people. So, you know, um people have uh, people have bad uh bad days and they get frustrated or they get upset. And so um but but you know that the talent isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and you know we've seen this play before uh where young players come in and they uh, you know their head isn't right. Their 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 body and their physique and their ability is off the charts, but their head isn't right. And uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, I, I don't want to. I bet you he's quiet out in front of the cameras, but mm-hmm. I bet you he's not that quiet in the <laughs> locker room. And uh, it, you know these players don't turn a corner on their own. They turn mm-hmm. a corner because they get guidance from the head coach and from their own position coach. So I think there's a special thing going on in Green Bay that we identify talent. We we you know we don't jettison people really quickly uh, just because they're adapting to life as an adult or life as as uh, you know a millionaire in the NFL, yeah. uh, and so we're a place to grow here, and we've seen uh, we've seen that really come to fruition several times in the last years. Well, one guy that really appears to have followed that development strategy and is 
hopefully growing into something special, is Aaron Jones, who came out of nowhere yesterday, really out of necessity, replacing Ty Montgomery. And I, I had a little bit of a chuckle during the game, is that Troy Aikman, who... I, I know people hate Buck and Aikman. I think they do a great job. I think they do a great job, too. I don't know where that comes from. I, I don't either. And, and Romo and Nance are great now, but Buck and Aikman are right there as the best team sure. going today. But Aikman is talking through the whole game about, well, here's Ty Montgomery talking to Aaron Jones and trying to help him up. And Aaron Jones doesn't know the same things Ty Montgomery does. And I just imagine the conversation saying, now, Aaron, last week when I learned to play running back, <laughs> I learned all of these things. But... <laughs> Um, Aaron Jones has been doing this for, for the better part of 10 years. I mean, he's only 20, mm-hmm. 22 years old, but he's been playing football and probably and playing running back for, you know, since he was 12. And so I know he's a rookie in the NFL, but he has literally hundreds, probably a thousand carries mm-hmm. of the football in his life. And so maybe you bring, you know, you're new to the NFL, but you're certainly not new to the positions. I, I'm right there with you. Well, and he looked the part. And we think that Ty Montgomery can be a productive player on this offense, but perhaps not your starting tailback. And, well, I guess halfback. They don't really have a tailback right. anymore. They never run. <laughs> right. Although now with Aaron Jones, they could run the I formation with the all-Aaron backfield. <laughs> with Aaron Rikowski and Aaron Rodgers. I'll be darned. But Adam, or Aaron Jones yesterday, 125 yards rushing. He had more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott on fewer carries. He averaged 6.6 yards per attempt. Here's the most amazing thing. His 125 rushing yards is 41% of the Packers' team total through four games. Oh, my gosh. They had 298 yards rushing as a team through the first quarter of the season, and he got almost he got 41% of that on top in one game. That- uh, he, he looked natural. He... We've joked about Ty Montgomery dances a little bit too yeah, much, right? And then Jamal Williams doesn't dance at all. It's one's too hot, one's too cold. It looks like Aaron Jones is just right. He's just right, and he looks like when you look at running backs like Ezekiel Elliott, or you look at some of the running backs in the NFL. I think it's been so long since we had a running back like that in Green Bay. We know what good running backs look like, but we see a G on their helmet and we go, "Well, we don't, we don't really get those players. We don't, <laughs> we don't have those players." So he ran incredibly well instinctively. Again, he read blocks. If you remember. Uh, back uh, maybe a month ago, we talked about how running backs are slow to the hole, fast through the hole, mm-hmm. and then also how you read the blockers, mm-hmm. let's just say back, yeah, uh, as to where to cut. And you could see him. You could see his head on a swivel reading the blocks. And, and the thing that I think people are a lot of people are missing, and this is a brilliant thing done by Mike McCarthy. So uh, uh, Bakhtiari's out, right? Bak- yep. you, you, so you start uh, essentially two guards on the left-hand side. Well, what people don't really get is while everybody, uh, everyone on the offensive line, both run blocks and pass blocks, guards guards are, are generally much better run blockers. And right? they like it. And they like it. They pull, they, they drive, they, they, they turn people. So you've got two guards on the left-hand side, and what did we do? Almost from the very beginning, we ran behind them because we had two super athletic running guards. And so instead of saying, oh, I wonder if they can, you know, block uh, block this outside linebacker or block this end that's coming down, we didn't wait for uh, You know, we, <laughs> again, sorry. Uh, Mike McCarthy said, we're not going to wait for that. We're going to run it right down your throat. And other than a few mix-ups, I mean, you mm-hmm. saw a couple of free rushers come in in the first quarter. Yeah. We made uh, Irving for the Cowboys yeah. look like. Look like Reggie White. Um, I think he's good. I don't think yeah. he's that good. Um, but but the game plan really focused around. Let's take what we have not as a negative. Let's figure out what we do well. And so you had a really good running back who was ready to go, um, and you had uh, us playing to our strengths. And that you know, 
boy, that running game and our passing game, together that's an awful lot to handle. And that's starting to become the offense that everybody hoped they might be to start the season. So Aaron Jones, already the team's leading rusher, and he didn't get his first carry until the second quarter of the fourth game. So that's both good for him, and we had a kind of a sorry running game earlier in the season. But a lot of that is due to the offensive line. Those guys are making the most of it with the makeshift that they've had. You brought them up. I thought, again, other than a couple of lapses uh, for Lane Taylor playing tackle for the second time in his life, they were really rushing Aaron Rodgers. Uh, They got to him, I think, three times. But for the most part, they did a pretty good job once again. Now, I don't know if the performance we've seen the last two weeks, if it has to be those guys again, is going to work against a front seven like Minnesota. It might not be 35 points like we've had the last two weeks, but they're plugging away, and with how many injuries they've had to keep winning games, especially on the road, and then putting up 160 rushing yards, that's that's incredible. That's pretty incredible. Uh, and and against Minnesota, you'd have a different game plan, right? Mm-hmm. So so Dallas is, uh, is really good at rushing the passer, not so good at stopping the run. Minnesota's going to be good at stopping the run, can rush the passer somewhat. The other option they have, and, and you know, here's Chris going off on his <laughs> deep end again, if you have two guards on the left-hand side, what's the perfect play call? A screen, right? Yeah. A screen to the left because you have two pulling guards mm-hmm. who are, are comfortable out in space and are athletic people. Um, and you'll also remember that, that the sacks came early in the game. Yeah. The miscommunications came early in the game. And when it counted, mm-hmm. they had made the adjustments. And so uh, James Campen gets some mm-hmm. kind of award, some kind of statue yeah. for for maybe it's the MASH award where he brings people <laughs> together after everybody gets hurt. And you have to believe that Bakhtiari is coming back sometime soon. He's been out. Three weeks, four weeks. You would something, think so. Something a like game that. green of the hamstring yeah, or something. I, uh, so, so even hamstrings when they're a little bit torn, you know, five, six weeks is plenty. So yeah. let's hope that they get them back. But I, I just think it's an amazing way to move the chess pieces around the board mm-hmm. in a way that serves you instead of kind of backing up and saying, oh, my gosh, I sure yeah. hope they don't take advantage of us. Yeah, because what else are you going to do? I mean, you got to play the game whether or not um, you're, you're completely healthy. And a lot of that pressure, I think at least two of the sacks came at – Evans, Lindsley, you know, those are your guys playing their normal positions. Yeah. And I think Lindsley, he played okay, but it felt like he got in his head a little bit because every single one of those snaps in the second half, Aaron Rodgers had to bend down to get. It, it's, it's not far enough back to him, and it's low. So, so that extra half second he has to go get the ball is really important. I mean, I, I, I saw the exact same that you, yeah. thing that you did, and it scared me because that half second is the half second. When you see Aaron get rid of the ball and mm-hmm. it's just before he gets hit, well, that half second makes that difference. Absolutely. I also want to uh, really give uh, Aaron Jones some kudos because we're like, is he really that good? Well, remember, he uh, he got tired or he got hurt. Jamal Williams, who I was a big fan of, yeah. and still he, he'll learn, right? He yep. totally will learn. He came in, ran one play, and where did he run? Right into a brick wall. Right into a brick wall <laughs> and right up the back of his own blockers, which yeah. is exactly the, the guy we've seen over the last several weeks. So yeah. that can be fixed. I mean, yeah. that, that absolutely can be fixed. And again, in college, those holes, if you call it in the three-hole, the three-hole sure. is likely going to sure. be open. In the NFL, the three-hole means anywhere between <laughs> the four-hole <laughs> and, and the five-hole. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right, which is kind of the whole offensive line. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got a gem here. And re- and remember the first down catch he makes where he's diving to the ground. Yeah, that was James he, Jones in the Super Bowl. I- exactly right. Yeah. So so that catch keeps a drive going. Um, don't forget, Aaron Jones is an incredibly good pass catcher. We just haven't uh, had occasion to see it that much. So lots more to come. Absolutely. And so hopefully he can – We'll get Ty Montgomery back. He definitely has a spot on this offense, and, and they'll find things for him to do. And he's so versatile. Um, and, and, you know, Aaron Jones, we've seen 
maybe not this impressive of a debut, but, you know, James Starks ran all over the Philadelphia Eagles like he was Adrian Peterson, Mm -hmm. and it never really panned out. So I think they're still going to need Ty Montgomery, and we'll just hope for the best for Aaron Jones um, going forward. Okay, so let's switch to um, the defense. So you mentioned Demarius Randall. He made a heck of a play, uh, got a tipped pass, returned it for a touchdown. Um, There were some other good things. Clay Matthews really played better than he's played in a while. But still gave up 408 yards of total offense. They were really rough on third down, 163 rushing yards, some really big coverage breakdowns on some scrambled drills, I'm sorry, from Dak Prescott. So they made a few big plays in the end, but woof, that's going to be, you lost Kevin King, I understand, but you're always going to lose somebody and you got to play a little bit better than that. Yeah, they gave up 31 points. How many games are you going to win? I don't care who your quarterback is or how good your offense is. If you keep giving up 31 points. Especially on the road. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so so I, we talked about the great stuff and, and uh, the defense. Uh, I was going to say the defense rose up, but at some you know, uh, uh, Devaris Randall made a great play. Uh, the ball fell into his hands and he ran it back <laughs> 20 yards, and then he got a stupid penalty, which is a which is a immature grow-up kind of penalty. Which um, Troy Aikman said specifically, which I kind of yeah, enjoyed for- hearing him. He, he- – if he thinks somebody did something wrong, he'll say it. Well, you know, uh, on the on the news, Demarius Randall said, "What do you mean? I, I didn't throw the ball at anybody. I don't know what you're talking about." Well, he looked right at Dak Prescott yeah. and then flipped the ball. You know, he, he, but again, that's youth. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, those those people have a bad day, and you don't throw them out the window just because they have a bad day. Here's my struggle. Okay, so we really bottled up the run well in the first half. Yeah. Do you remember why? Because we ran three defensive linemen and yeah. two line, outside linebackers instead of two defensive linemen. And then we went exclusively in the second half. And I don't think anybody was hurt. I don't remember hearing any of the defensive linemen hurt. But we specifically went to two down rushers, two outside linebackers, and uh, in, inside linebacker, and, and a safety, like yeah. nitro package. Okay, so <laughs> one of the best offensive lines in the NFL – You've got five 330-pounders yeah. who are there to block four guys. So first yeah. of all, you're yeah. five on four. The two guys in the middle are matched up one-on-one, and each of the 330-pounders is blocking a 250- or 260-pound linebacker. Is it really a shock that they ran the ball right no, down their throat? No. Why do you change? I mean, listen, yeah. Maybe I'm missing something. I, uh, and people will say, oh, we won the game. Really, if you, if you don't have Aaron Rodgers, you don't win that game. No, Sorry. which could go for a lot of teams. But I understand, you know – yeah, are you so? Are you purposely playing badly just so Eric no. can show off? Is that it? Just you know, when you have the formula and yeah. then you and it works, and then you change it. Yeah, I don't. I see. I don't get that because even yeah. Dak Prestos, you know, he had a couple of amazing plays in the first half where we were within a whisper of of you know the sack and stuff, mm-hmm. and he made some miracle plays. But but if he can keep making miracle plays over and over the whole game, you let him do that. I mean, yeah. you just you tip your hat and you say we're all done. You don't look at two miracle plays and say, "Oh, we better yeah. change the whole defense." Well, but also though, and I, and I agree, it was it was odd. But I thought Dallas ran a bit too much. They were seven of twelve on third down, and I, some of those were rushing. But you said Dak Prescott made some miracle plays. Yes, he he did. But after five, that's not a miracle anymore. Yeah, right? I guess Th- that's, that's a problem that's with your defense. Plays. And I think. You know, I think Dak's got a chance to really be an elite player. He could be really, really. Um, he's missing one component, and that is, thank God he can't throw a decent deep ball because Cole Beasley's <laughs> the hero of the world and scores a touchdown with no time on the uh, clock. Th- uh, that crazy, right? Like, how do you get beat in that in that 
situation. How in the world could you possibly get beat? Well, and haha, Clinton Dix, who, you know, maybe because of the nature of his position, you kind of notice him when some of his other secondary teammates make a, a crucial mistake. But all this talk about him being elite, him the I know it's a regional cover, but him the cover of Street and Smiths over Aaron Rodgers or Jordy Nelson. And uh, you know, I was I was debating with Matt yesterday during the game. He's like, well, he makes some really good plays that shows that he's elite. Well, then everybody's a bit elite. Everybody at this this level is going to have some decent plays. But he looked a bit like the two-point conversion in Seattle in 2014 oh, on a couple of those. Which was ugly. That was a punt that should have been fair caught. And yeah. He couldn't knock it down. You know, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to feel about him. He, he, he's very athletic, and he makes a lot of plays, and a phenomenal guy, <laughs> I, and a phenomenal guy. I think he's a great linebacker. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but when's the last time you saw Clinton Dix go up really high and knock a ball away from somebody? Like, no, he's a great vacuum for wayward balls. He, exactly right. Um, so, so, I, but there's one rule. Like when in ninth grade, when you start playing safety, there's one rule: deeper than the deepest. Yep, that's it. Yes, yep. safety means mm-hmm. you are the last line of defense. And so, there's so many times where somebody's running deep, and and you know you're already giving up the ten yard stops anyway. So, mm-hmm. so what are you doing? Yeah. Coming? I mean, that's the whole idea of the offense is run, 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 throw short, throw short, and that sets you up to run. Mm-hmm. You know, that's football for the last seventy five years. Yeah. So to get beat like that is just unexcus- uh, inexcusable. And you know who? He reminds me of purely 100% only as a football player. Who's that? Darren Sharper. Yeah. And yeah. that scares me because Darren Sharper had that reputation of this great Pro Bowl guy. He's going to get a bunch of interceptions. He's going to make some big pops. And if you're a Packer fan, he's – yeah, you see those things. But I remember Darren Sharper, even when he's having seven interceptions going to the Pro Bowl, I'm remembering him as he's the guy who loses contain on third down. He's the guy who misses the tackle. He's the guy who gets his head turned around and gives up the big gain. Yes, he does all these other great things, but they come with some real liability. And Haha's young, so he's got a chance to get better. But from a purely, purely athletic standpoint, he reminds me a lot of Darren Sharper. He does, and you know, maybe Darren Sharper had seven interceptions. Four of them were tipped passes by a cornerback that just mm-hmm. popped up in the air and he grabbed. So again, you know, just think about our safeties. And and safeties in the NFL who are really elite, they're making plays on the ball like the like the cornerbacks yep. are, right? They're not just they're not just knocking passes down that are wayward passes or whatever. They're actually playing coverage back there when somebody comes into their zone. And I, you know, I think I think we have uh, really great run support. And there's something to be said for the nitro package, right? When we move yeah. Barnett up there, now every now everybody on the field is a linebacker apparently. Yeah. And so I just and that and that is fueled by how insane. Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels have been this year. Uh, unbelievable. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna raise my hand and say guilty as charged when they t- chose Kenny Clark. I Who? Went, what in the world were you doing? And uh, I, I, you know, I just completely genuflect now. I, you know, Ted, Ted, you just keep picking. I'll just nod and smile because man, oh man, does he look like a world beater? And of course, Mike Daniels is a fourth round pick who turns out to be yeah. Superman. Although he did pick four other guys on the defense in front of uh, Mike Daniels and three of which aren't on the team anymore. So you, you get some credit. I guess when you're a general manager and you pick that many guys, maybe you should get more credit for your home runs than your strikeouts. You know, it's re- but it's really funny. Like, we're really terrible in the first couple of rounds. In, in general oh, terms, yeah. in the first two rounds, we're really – you know, we get all these accolades for, for having seventh-round Mark Tauscher and stuff. Okay, if he was that good, then how, why didn't you pick him in the second round, <laughs> yeah. you know? So um, – 
Why did you pick uh, Derek Sherrod in the first round? Oh, you know, it's oh, that's a yeah. Sorry, that's still a that's still a sore spot for me after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, you know, if if you think you can win a Super Bowl with that defense just because Aaron's on your team, I think you're asking for trouble. I think yeah. Uh, I, I think you're looking at Atlanta in the in the NFC Championship game again. Aaron Aaron can score thirty points, and a good offense is going to score forty. And that's the thing is hopefully they can take advantage and maybe get a home field advantage because that changes things. If you're playing Atlanta or you're playing Dallas in the cold, yes. you know, on a, on t- not on turf, on a natural grass surface, the best thing the Packers have going for them. I don't – this defense terrifies me because you're thinking of a playoff uh, run here where you're probably playing either Carolina or Atlanta, then Philadelphia or Dallas, then the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I'm still not a, a believer in the Chiefs. The AFC is trash. The Patriots are still the Patriots, so I think they'll probably still end up making it. So playing games like you played yesterday against all three of those teams, one of them's going to beat you. But the good thing is, if we have a secondary that is a disaster, every other team has some other spot of them that's also a complete yeah. disaster that hopefully the Packers can exploit, particularly at home. Well, cold and grass are the great equalizer for speed. Yeah. And so if, you're, if your defensive backs are constantly getting burned because – you know, on on turf, the the wide receivers can make incredibly sharp cuts, and they're they're just really fast on there. Getting those games at home, I mean, I, I think people think about getting the games in Lambeau because of the crowd is there, and it's yeah, that's the all crowd that. was there yesterday, by the yeah, way. Yeah, too. They, it sounded great? like that's a home super game. Super great. Um, <laughs> Packer fans travel like no others. Um, but but the real value in getting it at Lambeau Field is cold and grass. And I got to tell you, Atlanta would look very pedestrian mm-hmm. in. Uh, uh, in Lambeau. So you really have to, and, and we were having this conversation last year, if you remember in the mm-hmm. fall. Now I wasn't on the podcast yeah, yet. We yeah. were just talking in my office. Um, but, you know, when you were saying, you know, can you beat Dallas? Yes. Can you beat Atlanta? Maybe. Can you beat Patriots? Maybe. But all three of them, three games in a row? Probably not. And not with this defense. No. And so hopefully they can get healthy. They've been able to win these games, which, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, that. With the way that teams play in the preseason now, it maybe isn't important to get style points in the first five weeks. It's it's incredibly important to win the games, but you're not even close to what you're going to be, so hopefully this team can continue to get better. That being said, the way they're playing with Aaron Rodgers kind of bailing them out of games, the Bears game was the only game this year, if memory serves, that they led at halftime. Mm, yeah, And so they're 4-1, and one, which... You know, you can't take that away Hallelujah. from them. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You are what your record is. But to me, this is reminding me a bit of other teams that rode their quarterback. And uh, three seasons that I wrote down, Brett Favre in 99 had three fourth-quarter comebacks in the first four games, almost had four, and that was the only one they lost. And then when he stopped playing like Superman, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. Right. Uh, same thing happened in, in 98 with Drew Bledsoe. In the midseason, he had, I think, two weeks in a row where he had fourth-quarter comebacks. Ended up uh, him and Scott Zolak, his backup, actually combined for four fourth-quarter comebacks. Only went 9-7, and seven, were out in the first round. And the ultimate one is the Dan Marino fake spike year where he had four fourth-quarter comebacks in 94. It was probably the last year of Super Dan Marino. And they ended up going 10-6. and six. And here's what happened in the playoffs. Think if this could happen to the Packers. They won their first playoff game. Mm-hmm. In the second round, they went to San Diego. They were up 21-6 to six at halftime. Okay. From that moment on, Dan Marino and the Dolphins offense ran 13 plays in the next 26 minutes and 44 seconds of the game. 
By the time Marino got the ball back, he was down 22-21 to with 35 seconds left. He gets them into field goal range, and all-pro Pete Stojanovic misses the field goal, and they lose, and Marino's last best chance to go to the Super Bowl is over. So ball control beats those, those quarterbacks who can light up the screen. Yeah, you almost saw that yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, correct. SWAT, you know, everybody's been comparing uh, Zeke Elliott to Natron Means, right? You know, <laughs> so just that's pretty much the same. And I, Dak Prescott is almost as good as Stan Humphreys. Oh, you know, I just, you, this defense really scares you because they have moments. And now, you know, before you couldn't stop the run. Uh, a couple of years ago, you couldn't stop the run. Now you're stopping the run pretty well if you have enough defensive linemen on the team. Um, but in the secondary, you're. You know, you're running out of chances. I and I think I'm going to propose a trade. By the way, I'm going to propose yep. a trade. I think we should trade Quentin Rollins for a bag of potato chips. No, 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 Quentin. Oh. Come on now, for another player <laughs> from uh, trade him to the Bucks. Okay, because he's former basketball. There player, you right? go. So trade him to the Bucks for an off shooting guard or something like. <laughs> Holy cow! Like. <laughs> Um, I, I, he know. doesn't do anything. He, like he stands there and waits for the guy to make a cut. He gave what was that? Cole Beasley touchdown. He has no help, and he gives him the inside. Uh, it's unbelievable to me. Like you either play inside inside leverage or outside leverage, and he played him straight up, which means you give him either you give him a two way go on the goal line. I mean, how does that work? You know, so so you gotta you gotta take away something. And if you're playing inside leverage, and he does that, and he and he goes to that quick out, you can undercut it. Yeah. And you know you're going you're going the other way, and if uh, you guess wrong, that's life. But you got to do something. You've got to do something. And so I, I loved seeing Hawkins out there. I think Hawkins is really going to be a a player. I think there's going to come a time here where we're going to have four or five safeties on the field at any <laughs> given time because you're going to have Marwin Evans and you're going to have Bryce out on the field mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, not much Josh Jones yesterday. Didn't hear his name uh, that much very often, but um, you know we're going to have safeties playing cornerbacks not not long. And we have that by design already with Demarius Randall, but now maybe I, some I think more. that's true. So I, I just, um, you know, the trouble is you may end up drafting more cornerbacks in the first two rounds next year, even though you struck out two years ago. Yeah, and have kind of a. I think you're gonna you're gonna end up really happy with King and uh, and Josh Jones. Yeah, but um, boy, for all we've invested. You know the f- top four picks in the last two years, and we still have a, a passing defense that is not good. Yeah, that's a great point, and hopefully uh, King can clear the concussion protocol relatively soon. Um, but yeah, because th- it's different. That defense is different when he's in the game. I think so too. Okay, so a couple of other things that happened yesterday. There's been a ton of talk that Dak Prescott should have taken a knee instead of scoring at the end there to try to bleed the clock. To me, this is absolute ludicrous, like, Madden talk. What are you going to do? The Packers, first of all, had a timeout. Right. So you're going to drive the clock down to nothing and then have one chance at the end zone and throw an incompletion or get stuffed at the goal line? I tallied it up. Dallas, despite their incredibly young defense, the 11 guys that were on the field that final drive are getting paid $18.7 million this year. Perhaps stop the other team's offense. <laughs> There's one thought. With one minute left. So I, I think I think the people who say that have never played the game and never actually been on a football field. You know, can you imagine the strength and the speed and, and the pure adrenaline of running through the line and getting hit 30 times during the game? And all of a sudden, you know, since you've been 10 years old, your goal is to get in the end zone and yep. you see this hole open up and 
really? Yeah. S- stop and take a knee. So, so, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it'd be like saying to Custer, a- Custer afterwards, yeah, I wouldn't go into that valley, maybe. <laughs> How about you just take a knee before you go into that valley? You know, so it just it goes against everything yeah. that a player learns since they're young. Um, it's great for Madden, like yeah. you guys. But in Madden, you can replay the thing like seventeen times, and <laughs> yeah, then if you wait lose, it works. You in this case, if you do it wrong, bad things happen. And remember, the Packers were up by four at yeah. the time. This is not like you stop at the one, and if they stop them, you uh, you know you kick a field goal, no. or or even a tie, yeah, a tie game, or or, or down by three, right? Yeah. yeah, you have to have a touchdown. So there's no question in my mind those people who. Uh, are saying that in a perfect world, in an mm-hmm. amazing environment, might it make some sense? I, I don't know. It, when, I, when I was coaching, if you could get the lead, you took the lead. Absolutely. I didn't care when it was. And if you can't stop Aaron Rodgers, see, that's what we've been saying the whole time. If you can't stop Aaron Rodgers, then you don't deserve to win. Absolutely. And so, and so Dallas, you know, Dallas, their offense did what they were supposed to, their defense didn't, and the end result and is, you lose. is what it is. It, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the Wisconsin game against Northwestern. I think uh, Brock Heward was doing the game, and Northwestern had a fourth down in Badger territory. The Badgers held them, and uh, their quarterback kind of lobs a punt up, and it's intercepted. And the play-by-play guy says, well, he'd have been better off to knock it down. And Brock Heward says, good luck trying to coach defensive backs to not catch interceptions. Right. right. He's like, you live with that <laughs> and make it work. You know, when, when we start practicing on the practice field, knocking down passes instead of picking them off, <laughs> yeah. then we should, we should have that conversation. I mean, it's, if you've ever, you know, it, if it's like playing catch with your son, it'd yeah. be like saying, well, let's practice not catching the ball in your mitt. <laughs> it, you just, you never do that. Situational drops. That's what we're <laughs> practicing today. Yeah. So, so I just think, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's fantasy stuff. That's uh, again, the people who are saying that, that seriously have never put on a helmet, have never put on shoulder pads, and certainly have never coached. Things went the way they were supposed to, and mm-hmm. Dallas just wasn't able to finish the deal. Absolutely. The other big controversy was some of the personal foul penalties that were being called. Uh, the Demarius Randall taunting, I'm fine with. The ball hit Dak. Right, it was right. a stupid play. The big ones are the Blake Martinez uh, call in the end zone where he's really – he hit the defenseless receiver, which <laughs> – uh, evidently is incidental contact with the guy who has the ball. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> because because you don't know if he's dropped the ball yet. Mm-hmm. And the hit was, um, you know, it, it had all of the ferocity of a feather duster. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, it was literally like his forearm brushes yeah. against his helmet. So I just, I, I almost can't believe nobody else came in and overruled him. Yeah. Because there, you know, there's, how do you look at that and yeah. make that call? Now, That's a good point is that I was really, I thought that was the, a terrible, terrible call. The Rodgers roughing the passer where he lowers his helmet into Rodgers' back. He didn't hit him that hard, but the intent was there. So I get that, that one. That rule is clear. Absolutely. If you hit with the crown of your helmet. Right? Absolutely. But to me... The best comment I, I read about this today was that if you really are serious about player safety, you're going to have to train yourself to live with some of these bad calls. But I like your idea that somebody else on the on the refing crew should have been like, all right, let's think about this one. Because that one was not malicious. If you sometimes have those against you, and granted, thank God it was the first quarter sure, instead sure. of the fourth quarter. So I can live with those happening sometimes. But let's let's get together. And again, last week we talked about targeting. And let's do something like that where they go to the instant replay and say, okay, this wasn't what we thought it was. Yeah, I think, I think there are some penalties like that that you're just going to have to. Listen, I, I've heard people say that instant replay ruins the game and that there's got to be some error in the – 
<clears throat> you know, when, when there are referees involved. I completely disagree. I could not disagree more. The only thing that matters is getting the call right. That's yeah. it. If it takes a half an hour. Now, will, will I go to get an extra chili dog and a, and a Coke Zero? <laughs> yep, probably. But getting the call right is the only thing that matters in my mind. And these penalties, like we talked about pass interference last week and, and should that you know, rule be changed, these are really game-changing plays because if they don't call that, which they shouldn't have, mm-hmm. uh, Dallas kicks a, a field goal, they're up 3 nothing, and all of a sudden the Packers come down and score. It's 7-3. to three. Mm-hmm. Instead of seven, to, uh, you know, yeah. seven to three Packers instead of seven to six Cowboys, that's an enormous swing. And and, and you know, now Blake Martinez, what do you do if you get called for yeah. that? You're out of the game if you get another one. Exactly. Too. Yeah. So do you, you know, now do you, next time when you're trying to make a play, is that in the back of your mind? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that's why you have officials who, tra- you know, as soon you have your own zone, but when the ball moves, when the ball travels, officials are supposed to. You know, Watch kind of ball, follow, yeah. right, follow the ball. And I can't believe that nobody else saw that and went, I don't know, let's, let's think about that. Well, luckily, the bad call and the four-point swing set the stage for the best ending that we might have all year. So I guess it all, all worked out. Uh, the other controversy, which I don't think uh, is much of a controversy, is uh, put up some shades, Jerry. <laughs> the sun was ruining it for both guys. So, I guess. so uh, but, but you have to know that, that that's built purposely that way yeah i mean i hate to tell you this but you know there's a, a story about how the boston garden remember the parquet yep. floor of the boston garden uh specifically had a place where the boards gave more right okay. so so um so when you dribble the ball there the ball wouldn't come up as ha- uh, far and and literally the the, the celtics practice their their full court trap yeah. to put the person in that area knowing yeah. full well that, that the ball was going to bounce differently you know that's that's hold uh home field advantage to the end nth degree but you can see that it's you know Aaron Rodgers was looking dead into the sun on his own 20 yard line now can that work the other way yep. sure but they practice every single uh, you know every single practice at that facility that that seems to me like a really unfair advantage yeah well the the um, developers said in the the ownership group said, "Well, we expect there to be future development on the west side of the building. That's why we had the windows because we want you to see the skyline of Arlington." I'm like, "Well, that's a pretty good. What were you going to do in the intervening 30 years before <laughs> the downtown Dallas reaches Arlington, Texas?" And if there was only a way to actually cut windows at a later date, <laughs> yeah. if only we had the technology to do that. And well, and it, of course, there must be an ordinance that it has to be an east-west orientation. You know, <laughs> you, you can't rotate it, but and alas, again, it's probably Aaron Rodgers' greatness. So yeah. he's staring in the sun. So what does he call? He calls an out pass yep. that goes just for seven yards. He throws an absolutely perfect out, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's out of the sun. So, there you go. so I'm telling you that, uh, that I bet Aaron you Tom Rod- Brady couldn't beat the sun one on one. I think you've said it before that Aaron Ra- Aaron Rodgers is playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. So <laughs> yeah. he's one step ahead of everyone. Well, the best part about this game, especially for fans my age is how the Packers have morphed into the nightmare of the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) I, as an eight-year-old, in January of 1996, sat for an hour on my grandpa's lap crying about how unfair it was that we could never beat the Cowboys, we'll never beat the Cowboys, we got to the NFC Championship game, we'll never get this far again. And for it now to switch, and I still have that feeling. I remember Matt describing this last year, but I had the same thing yesterday when they start the teaser and say, America's Game of the Week is coming up next. Here come the Packers. And you see them walking into that stadium. And as Matt put it last year, he's like, 
for some reason, our green jerseys and our gold helmets, they look more vibrant. And yeah. Dallas's jerseys are just glistening. And it just takes you back to 1995. And we're going to lose 35 to nothing. <laughs> we have no chance. And that all comes back. And now the three biggest games outside of the Super Bowl that the Packers have had recently have been beating Dallas in Dallas. I can't believe it. There is justice in the world. <laughs> I, and, and, and what makes it even a little bit sweeter yeah. is remember, and, and I lived through, I, you know, I was a little older than you at the time, but, but it really was you, when you said, oh, we're going to play Dallas in Dallas, and you went, ugh. You Automatic know? law. I remember getting out the schedule as a kid, yep. being like, we have a great team at the Metrodome loss, at the Silverdome loss, at Texas Stadium loss. We're going 13-3. and three. <laughs> Exactly. You know, you see them on the schedule and go, aw. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, but what makes it even sweeter is remember when Dallas was beating us, they were doing it in their own stadium. Yeah. We're beating them in their stadium <laughs> yeah. over and over. So, so if, the, if, the, if the Cowboys had been coming to Lambeau and yeah. beating us like that, that's one thing. That's, a, that's another level of insult. But there's a certain level of joy, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing all those super pious fans. And, um, you know, when they said title to- town against America's team, I'm like, why are they talking about the Packers twice? <laughs> why are they like, playing wh- how does that work? Inter-squad <laughs> scrimmage. I didn't think you could do that in week five. Um, here is uh, a couple of things I wanted to share with you. So Bart Starr owned the Cowboys. He was three and one in Dallas. His only loss was in November of 1970 when he was, you know, at the back end of his career. So between Bart Starr and Aaron Rodgers, the Packers were two and 11 playing the Cowboys in Dallas. Here are the two though, because they come from bizarro world and I had to share them. All right, please. The first one was October 19th, 1975. When the 0-4 Packers in Bart Starr's first year beat the 4-0 Dallas Cowboys with Tom Landry and uh, Roger Staubach, they were down 17-12 with two minutes left. To give you an idea of how bad the Packers' offense were, down five with two minutes left. The Packers punt to (laughs) Dallas. The Rock Larry McCarron strips Golden Richards on the punt return. He's the long snapper covering the punt, strips Golden Richards. Steve Luke, the Packers Steve safety. Steve Luke, 46. 46, recovers the fumble. Two plays later, John Hadel to Rich McGeorge for a 26-yard touchdown pass with just under two minutes left. The Packers' defense holds on, and Bart Starr gets his first win as a head coach in Dallas. That's a, that's a classy way to do it. The Packers would finish 4-10. and 10. The Cowboys would win the NFC. So it's just the weirdest... <laughs> Game ever. By the way, uh, in the 70s, to get all those details, I looked up the old Green Bay Press-Gazette. Yes. Front page news now every time the Packers do anything. Back then it was a little corner with a cartoon caricature named Happy Packer. And it said, page B1, (laughs) Happy Packer makes his first appearance. The Packers win the first time of 1975. Oh, my goodness. Well, it just shows you what big business it's become. It, It hasn't always been the juggernaut that it is now. And there's another game you're talking about. And here's the other one that might even be more bizarre. Christmas Eve, 1989. The 9-6 Packers win their 10th game to force Minnesota to win the following night to try to keep the Packers Mm -hmm. out of the playoffs. They beat the 1-14 Dallas Cowboys. Don Mikowski throws two touchdown passes, has 107.8 passer rating, and they got to that point by bullying rookie Troy Aikman into four interceptions and a 34 passer rating. The stands are half empty because the Cowboys are so bad, but a Lindy Infante Don Mikowski team slept walk to a 20 to 10 win over a Jimmy Johnson Troy Aikman team at Texas Stadium. From that moment on, Mikowski and Infante in games where Mikowski was the starter mm-hmm. would combine for six more wins ever again. Overall, oh my gosh! Overall, 
uh, Troy Aikman and Jimmy Johnson would get six postseason wins in uh, in addition to um, tons of wins during the regular season and win two titles. So who would have thought that would ever happen to see Don Mikowski and Lindy Infante go to Texas Stadium and destroy Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman? Yeah, and, and at that time, you know, the, the Dallas was so bad. But remember, Dallas was so bad that year. And then they, that's how they ended up with the tri- the triplets, right? They mm-hmm. ended up with Aikman and, and uh, Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. So, uh, you know, it, it tells you something about how bad the Packers were when we have to reach this far <laughs> into, the, into the magic mailbag to find a, a, a happy thought back there. Um, I was thinking about when Bart Starr's uh, team, when he won his first game mm-hmm. as head coach, which means that Bart Starr was still owning – the Cowboys, even after he stopped <laughs> yeah, playing. So that's nice. And now that Aaron Rodgers has won his last two starts in Dallas, it's not as fun. But how many drinks could you have won in bar conversations to say, name me the last three Packers to win a game in Dallas, and the answers would have been John Hadle, Don Mikowski, and Matt Flynn. That's awesome. That's super awesome. That's 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 highest level Packer trivia right there. <laughs> but thankfully, we don't need it. Aaron Rodgers had one of his uh, greatest performances, and this is in both places. Uh, Aaron Rodgers now seven and two against the Dallas Cowboys in his career. You know, I, I think that that uh, and just imagine. You know, imagine if this defense was just average. We wouldn't be talking about these wins. We would be talking about a completely dominant performance. We would be talking about, you know, the offense. Offense would be the same, so mm-hmm. you're still scoring 35 points. And uh, and the defense, let's say they just hold them to 21. Well, 35 to 21 is a blowout. Yep. So just, you know, I'm thrilled to death with the win, but boy, oh boy, again, this looks an awful, too fam- awful lot too familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we're, we're going to see Dallas again. I, I really think so. I know they're two and three. Yep. But that was not a bad football team at all yesterday. That's mm-hmm. a that's a team considering where the NFC is right now. That yeah. Can beat an awful lot of teams. And Philadelphia. I wanted to do a quick wrap around of the league, uh, but we're running a little long. But um, <laughs> I, I think you're right. But unless they start winning a little bit more with that division, they at least have two tough teams. Right. In that division exactly. Um, so. Philadelphia's kind of got a nice little head start here in they're Washington. They're four and one too, I think. Yeah, they're four and one. Washington's two and two. Okay, uh, so they have a lot of games left between them. But um, I think Dallas is at least, like you said, with the NFC the way it is, is probably at least going to get a wild card slot. Um, so best teams in the NFL, the whole league right now, nobody seems to want to assert themselves. The Packers are four and one, but holy cow, have they had to earn their four. Uh, who are you looking at that's even going to maybe start separating from the pack? Well, you know, the, the Chiefs are uh, – now, the Chiefs just won last night, and they won 41-34. to 34 Yeah, it was a shootout. Like um, uh, I, I think the Chiefs are for real, and they've beat some really good teams. Whether they're going to separate or not, I think they're going to go into a lull like a lot of those teams do mm-hmm. because they're, they've changed their offense this year. And, and as people catch up with that offense, boy, who's really good? Um <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Phil, I would like to say Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is going to be really good in another yeah. year. I don't know that they're really good right now. Um, It'll be interesting to see if the Panthers can sustain this because that team seeds seems to feed completely on how good Cam Newton feels about himself. Right. And right now he's feeling pretty good about himself. But again, it feels a bit like the way the schedule has been played out, and they've done this for a while now. The NFL likes to build in challenges to everybody's mm-hmm. schedule. Right. They gave the Packers murderer's row to start the season. If they can end 5-1 and one through that, that really says something, even if they have to pull out another late one against the Vikings. But there's a lot of these teams like Carolina and Philadelphia mm-hmm. that haven't been 
given the biggest challenges to begin the year. Well, remember that at the start of the season, the Packers had, by record, the easiest schedule, or amongst the easiest yeah. schedule, but the, it was all front-loaded. Yep. So you come out of that front-loaded schedule, four and one, um, you know, you can you can run off a whole bunch in, in the in the uh, uh, you know in the next eight or ten games. I'm really stumped about who's yeah. good. Um, I'm really struggling here because usually there's somebody, you know, the the Patriots. I, I know you think they're going to come around. They look old, they look slow, and they look disorganized. I, I think mm-hmm. this is one of those classic times when a great team falls off the cliff. Well, fortunately for them, though, old, slow, and disorganized probably at least makes you the fourth best team in the AFC right now. <laughs> right oh my god that's hilarious all right so let's uh go to our facebook page because we got three really good comments on there and maybe they can uh, shed some light so Corey bend one of our great fans says hell of a game great comeback great team effort great drive to win it defense even redeemed itself a little bit with the pick six even when they're struggling they can hold up their end if they can just force a couple of turnovers being being alone in first place is huge banking on a road win against a tough opponent is huge too or banking a road win a game this fun coming the day before my birthday well uh well then happy birthday happy today birthday, i think Corey. Yeah. there you go and, and watching it at a bar in rochester with around 10 other packers fans made it all the better i'm just barely old enough to remember us being able being unable to beat the 90s cowboys in dallas so beating them will never get old <laughs> as for our long-term prospects i think aaron Rodgers said it best after the loss in atlanta he was asked about the team's struggles against that particular team and he said i think we can beat anybody at home that sums it up. There isn't a team in the league that doesn't have some sort of deep, crippling flaw. The NFC has no unbeaten teams left and is already down to four one-loss teams. If the Packers can beat the Vikings next Sunday, they'll be at 5-1 and one and entering a stretch where they'll probably be favored in their next four games. A get home against the Saints, Lions, Ravens, and at the Bears. And that game after that stretch at Pittsburgh, and that doesn't look nearly as daunting as it did even a week ago. After the Atlanta loss, I talked about how our margin for error had diminished. I was imagining a scenario where we might lose games like the Cincinnati and Dallas games, and we did not lose. And we did lose those kinds of games in 2015 and 16, but this time we won them instead. And because of that, everything this team wants is right in front of them and there for the taking for now. Wow, that's really good analysis. And and controlling your own destiny is all Mike McCarthy ever talks about. Is you know we're gonna we're not gonna worry about anybody else's teams. <clears throat> what did he say? Our hands are on the wheel. Yeah. We're looking straight ahead, and, and the train is leaving the station. So uh, that's really great analysis. And you're right; the next four or five games are absolutely winnable. You know, and and so I'm, I'm going all the way back to the good teams. He makes a good point about Atlanta. So Atlanta and the Chiefs are probably my best teams right now. Yeah, uh, but nobody else is really standing out. But the Packers are not. You know, not they're they're one A. Yeah, you know they're not number one, but they're one A probably. They're right there. All right, Daniel Johnson, another one of our great fans. It was a great game. It was great to see the running game finally get along with Aaron Jones. I think having a true running back is better for the Packers. The defense did not look good, but did make some plays like the pick six. I would rather see a game where the Packers didn't get off to a slow start and have to come back and win, but a win is a win. I think that we can't be making the getting down by two touchdowns a habit because we won't always be able to come back. The defense defense didn't blow it for Rodgers this time. There are too many games where Rodgers let a comeback, but then the defense let him down and cost Green Bay the win. The special teams needs to get on the same page because those points left on the table almost cost us the game. That's a great point. We didn't talk about Mason. Um, hopefully that will uh And, and a missed two-point conversion to an open receiver yeah, in the back of the end zone. Which was necessitated by your... Right, right your, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a really good chance for the Packers to take a big lead in the division and conference, and they look like one of the top teams right now, but there really is isn't a team that stands out. It is always great to beat the 
Dallas, especially that way, Eagles, Panthers, and Packers are all four and one, so everyone is huge as far as getting the number one seed. Um, and then he has some topics that we will uh, rapid fire get to after this. I first want to get to Old Maid Mousley's comment. At this rate, I'll have a heart attack by December with all the last second comebacks, which I think we're all sharing that. Yep. Uh, what a game. Aaron Rodgers played like the MVP. Aaron Jones showed dominance in the run game that might possibly solve the running game's issues. Though the defense played their standard third down stops are for chumps game, <laughs> uh, Demarius and his pick six are crucial as well as timely defensive plays. His bounce back after an early um, shower last week. Oh, I, I got what you said Good there. Good one, yeah. Uh, last week shows a mentality of bouncing back after a tough moment. This competency will help a team to a title, albeit more nerves involved. All in all, a nice clutch win. Devontae Adams is just something else. I think it's been said a billion times, but again, he was in the hospital 10 days ago, and he had a game for the ages, breaking the hearts of Dallas again. I sincerely apologize for ever saying he was awful and that he should be cut. (laughs) He has become so dominant since last year, and it's a joy to see him play, and I would have called you crazy if you told me this would happen two years ago. Aaron Rodgers is the king of Dallas, and it's awesome to see that many ways the Packers break the hearts of the Cowboys year after year. It is so fun. Uh, This team is in a great spot, 4-1 and a game against Minnesota. Minnesota next with an easy stretch, including the bye week. If they keep this pace up, they'll be cruising all the way to Minnesota in February. Hopefully, they'll get another win against the Vikings, and Mason Crosby doesn't stay in his 2012 form and goes back to being the consistent man he is. Also, I suggest the same additional topics as Daniel Johnson. Those are some amazing talking points. So, as usual, great comments by everyone. Yeah, really. Uh, and and uh, so, so you know, your comments are really good when they're a lot of us gave up on Devontae. A lot of us said, hey, he's a head case, let him go. And we just you, you just have to realize that we have really good coaching here mm-hmm. that they don't give up on talent too easily they know that they're young men who need to be shaped and formed and that they're going to they're going to fall and 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 bloody their nose a little bit but mm-hmm. um you know they know these players well enough that they can become really fine men and really great football players so that's mm-hmm. uh, the reason that they're coaching and we're <laughs> doing a podcast i guess absolutely and i'm sure all of you are much more um uh, articulate than I made you sound when I tried to read your comments there uh, really fast, but uh, keep them coming. It's great stuff. Okay, Daniel Johnson, real quick, Chris. Well, we got about 10 minutes here, so let's rapid fire these topics. Okay. All right, big day for injuries in, per- in particular. Odell Beckham and JJ Watt. That was a tough. Yeah, so, so watching uh, Odell Beckham um, is a man, but it was clear that that injury was horrible. I mean, yeah. you, you watched him in excruciating pain. It, it, it ends up, he's a broken ankle. Uh, I, I think, I think he's done for the year. He I, is. He, they announced this afternoon. He's having season ending surgery. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, that's just a play that nothing dirty. That's just a play that happens in football where you get dragged down and somebody falls on the back of your ankle. I didn't see the JJ Watt injury, but I did see, uh, that it was had, non-contact. Was it really? Oh. Yeah. I didn't see how he did it. I, when I heard it was non-contact, I was expecting to see like a Tim Crumry or something, right. but it looked pretty innocuous, but, uh, he's going to be out for the year as well which is unfortunate. Um, I don't know if there's anything you can do about any of these injuries. It sucks that all these guys are getting uh, hurt, but this goes a little bit against, like a lot of the injuries we've seen are a lot of muscles and soft tissues, mm-hmm. as they right. say, but guys breaking legs has been going on since 19... 19- uh, 20 when the uh, AAFC started. Listen, you got 300 pound linemen who are running four seven yeah. and running into each other. You know, it's it's kind of the nature of the game, and um, you know, it's it's a really unfortunate uh, thing that that happens. The the good news is that nobody. Uh, 
unlike last week with Devontae Adams, nobody took a cheap shot on anybody. It, yeah. it happened in the course of the game. It's it's horrible that it happened, uh, but you know that those players will get the best medical attention, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we'll see them next year. Absolutely. I was just going to say that that's the big thing, is that these guys have a realistic shot to come back to be what they once were, where you think back of, you know, Lynn Dickey was never – Fran Tarkington or anything, but he broke his leg at the midpoint of 1977 and didn't throw another pass until the midway point of 1979 and was playing with a heavy limp and no mobility. And I mean, he, he was able to make something of his career, but it's, it's a different time now. I I think it is. And, and we're, you know, the the great thing about the NFL is they've become incredibly careful with injuries. Uh, You know, even ones, uh, especially the concussions, but anything that's a injury, you'll see players, you know, we're talking about uh, David mm-hmm. Bakhtiari, <clears throat> excuse me, David Bakhtiari, and yep. you know how long is he going to be out with a hamstring? Well, apparently, long enough to make sure he doesn't re-injure it. So that, that's the nature of the NFL giving people time to heal. Absolutely. All right, super rapid fire, Chris. We we each did a terrible job at rapid fire. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> no, that's all right. Ben Roethlisberger throws five picks against Jacksonville. Are the Jags an AFC South contender with Mariota, Luck, and Watt hurt? I don't think so. I loved Leonard Fournette, though, encouraging someone to try to tackle him and then running over him. He had like 200 yards. Yeah, so, so uh, th- th- listen, that's a that's a team that's two years away from being good. They've been stockpiling first and second round draft choices. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think – he looks like he's disinterested. He doesn't look like he's the same guy at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deshaun Watson with another huge game. If there's a reason why the Jags might not be a contender, it's because I think Houston is a better all-around team, and Deshaun Watson, even in de- defeat, looked good yesterday. Well, not only, not only is he athletic, he's a clear leader he has command of Mm -hmm. that uh, huddle he has the respect of his teammates and that's exactly what makes a good quarterback sometimes when you go over all of the uh combine and things like that perhaps you shouldn't lose sight of the guy that went to -to back-to-back national championships Yeah, there is something to be said for that isn't there (laughs) absolutely frank gore passes eric dickerson on the all-time yards list is he a future hall of famer are there other running backs from this era who deserve to get in Uh, with specialists like morton anderson and ray guy getting in recently does devin hester have a shot at the hall of fame so first things first, yes, I know that Frank Gore passed Eric Dickerson, but I think Eric Dickerson had either a six- or seven-year stretch of no fewer than 1,200 yards, including one year that was a strike season. Yeah. Um, it depends what happens with Frank Gore, but I literally can't remember one play from his career. Right, so the NFL, uh, the, the Hall of Fame is not about longevity. Yeah. It's about greatness in, in uh, over a period of time. And so uh, Frank Gore, you know, he's he's not flashy. So so amazing player, amazing yeah. athlete. Uh, but I think the Hall of Fame, the, uh, the best definition I can tell you is somebody said if you have to ask whether they belong there, they probably, <laughs> they probably don't. don't. That's a good point. That's a great point. I would say that running backs from this era – um, off the top of my head, I think Adrian Peterson is probably a lock. Sure, absolutely. Um, he might have to wait a little bit like Terrell Owens because of some of the off-the-field issues. And there's an outside shot for Marshawn Lynch, but I don't think that's going to no, happen. No, I think, I think he was only really good for about two or three years. And while it's not about you know uh, longevity, you do have to sustain it over some period of time. And I think his time in, uh, in, uh, with the Raiders right now is pretty much dampening his sure. legacy as well. So people, people remember that when the time comes he's got the most earthquakes of any running back though in the history of the NFL. <laughs> there you go uh as far as the specialists i think devin hester deserves serious consideration for we've always talked that in much how you just described that dominance is more important than longevity and for a punt returner that 
basically was an offense for a team that went to a Super Bowl. Right. I think he deserves serious. He changed the game. I mean, he changed. Yeah. He he turned uh, he turned special teams into truly one third of the game, where a lot of other a uh, lot of lot of uh, football teams see it as kind of a nuisance, right? It's mm-hmm. offense, defense, and this other thing that I think we have to do occasionally. Mm-hmm. So I I think he he redefined the role, yeah. which is exactly the kind of person who belongs in the Hall of Fame. A quick side note is I wonder if he will get lost if he doesn't go in relatively soon because with the rule changes, there will not be another Devin Hester. And that's the other reason why I think uh, he does end up there because if you don't put him in, you're not going to have a punter kick returner in. I mean, nobody's returning kicks anymore. Yeah, Packers so, had their first kick return of the season yesterday. Yeah, that's incredible. And so while that's fine for uh, for injuries, it changed the game. So once again, when you think of, of kick returners and punt returners, the name that comes immediately to mind is... Devin Hester. Devin Hester, and absolutely. that's the guy who belongs in the Hall of Fame. I could, uh, absolutely agree. Should Spikes and Neals not count negatively against the quarterback stats, I think they should be treated like sacrifices in baseball and not be favored into the completion percentage or rushing stats. Um, I guess I'm fine with it because then you have to decide what's a, a rush and what's a kneel. Uh, the big thing I wish they would do, and again, it's the slipperiest of all slopes, mm-hmm. I am so tired of Dak Prescott and – Russell Wilson, and I hated when Peyton Manning did it, was you're sacked, and then they spike it at the shoes of the fullback, right. and they're like, oh, that's an eligible receiver. B.S. That ain't an <laughs> eligible receiver. He's sacked. Yeah, you, when you're throwing it away, you know, I, I have this, uh, that whole thing of um, the way to solve that is to say you have to be outside the pocket, and no matter what, the pass has to go past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, if Johnny Unitas could not be able to spike the ball and have to throw it 25 yards out of bounds. I think these guys can be expected to do yeah, that. I think so too. It's, it's a, it's, you know, it's one of those quirks in the rules that people take advantage of. And, and as a, as a player whose defense is playing against them, you're like, we got him, we got him, we got him. And then when they throw it away like that, and, and you don't get intentional grounding, and you don't get a sack. You just feel so empty inside. Yeah. So maybe that's the why it, it makes us so frustrated. Clay Matthews would have 25 more sacks in his <laughs> career total if right. that counted. The Bears versus Vikings tonight. ESPN is using debuting the new Star Wars trailer at halftime to try to help ratings. I just set my DVR for that. If I remember correctly, they did the exact same thing for the exact same matchup last year. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Well, I suppose you have to get viewership in some way or another. But but I listen. I would uh, you know I would watch that game tonight because Mitch Trubisky, you know, he is a classic. If you if you put a picture up of a classic. Uh, drop back, a pocket passer, Mitch Trubisky, not proven, yeah. right? I'm not saying – I don't know that much about him. I didn't, he didn't play that many games, but he looks the part, right? Yeah. He passes the eye test, and, um, and you know, the, the Chicago has bet the farm on him for draft choice that they didn't really need to give. So um, <laughs> I, I would watch them just to, to see that, and, and I'd pay money to see uh, Minnesota's defense. I hate to say it, yeah. but, um, boy, if you put – the Packers offense and the Minnesota defense on the field at the same time, you've got a Super Bowl winning team. So yeah. uh, they're worth they're worth the price of admission. And with Trubisky, going back to our conversation about Deshaun Watson, he's the opposite. He's the guy who I don't – if they went to a bowl game, I'm sure it was before January 1st. And uh, so there's the measurables guy and the – interview guy and the combine guy right. versus the guy that went to back-to-back national probably, titles. Yeah, I think he may have started the Orville Ruddenbacher pop cat, <laughs> popcorn bowl or something like that. Yeah, that, man. That's, I think you get a big old helping of butter if you there win you that. So that's, <laughs> exactly. That helps. Okay, uh, we'll skip the Badgers one because we'll do that at the end. Uh, now that Los Angeles isn't available, where will teams threaten to move to get stadium renovations slash new stadiums? Well, St. Louis, 
Yeah. Oakland. Yep. San Antonio's still there. I've even heard Columbus, Ohio as an alt- outsider, and there's always across the pond. Well, that's true. Uh, so I think I think the NFL is pretty good about if there's really a fan base to support a team, bringing teams back to a place where somebody left. You know, I wouldn't count San Diego out. I I don't know who moves there. I mean, there's some there was some conversation about uh, the Chargers even going back there this year or next year. I don't think that's going to happen. No. But that that was a pretty loyal fan base. I had a brother who lived out there, and and they were you know they were powder blue to the bone. Yeah. Um. So uh, I think you I think you have teams. Uh, out west, you have some areas that don't have a lot of population and don't have a lot of teams. Um, I, I think it's St. Louis. I think I think you you mend some broken hearts there, bringing someone back. And I think a lot of these, you, you read a lot of articles from local papers in St. Louis and San Diego that are all saying like, you know, the old John Wade, "I ain't missing you" song. Yeah, right. Or it's like, oh, I don't want you back. But then if Buffalo was like, hey, we might go to St. Louis, they'd all become Bills fans. They would be the St. Louis Bills in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, probably. So I don't know. I hope one of these municipalities develops the backbone to tell the NFL to go pound sand and. It, get some stability because this is getting 90s level ridiculous oh, I, we, we missed the obvious one hmm. at some point chicago deserves a professional football team don't they <laughs> you would think so <laughs> hopefully hopefully not i they don't deserve it i hope I, I i don't know if the cubs won today but i'm a baseball guy so this time of year i have nothing but uh, bad feelings for the, the city of chicago so, sorry that's an old joke you know why doesn't <laughs> iowa have a pro football team because pretty soon then chicago will want one too <laughs> i like it all right, why a tittle passed away today? Oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. Was he the greatest pre-Super Bowl era quarterback to not win a championship? Uh, it would take me a moment to think of that, but I th- don't pic- think there are many that would compete. Sonny Jurgensen. I have to be. I have to be honest with you. The only picture of why tittle I remember is him with his helmet off, kneeling on the field. I don't know if you've ever seen this I absolutely, photo yep. with blood coming down his face. And, and what that tells you is, and he wasn't, he was not an enormous human being. No. He was not, you know, he, Dak Prescott is as big as some of his offensive linemen, just about, uh, you know, when men were men. Yep. Uh, and and why Till really um, revolutionized the forward pass. He may not have invented it, but yep. he certainly certainly perfected it. And so uh, we lost one of the real pioneers of the game, mm-hmm. uh, and a good you know good man, good yep. good good man uh, ambassador for football right up until the end. When Dan Marino threw forty eight touchdown passes in nineteen eighty four, the record he broke was Y A Tittle. Oh, with, that's amazing. With thirty six. Oh, that's, that's unbelievable. In uh, one of the years that they lost the championship game. So yeah, I mean around here you remember Y A Tittle as the guy that couldn't beat Vince Lombardi. But uh, he absolutely was a pioneer, played in, what, San Francisco, played in New York. New York, right, for um, the Giants. I'm sure there's some others. So, yeah, um, he was 90 years old, so he definitely lived a full life. Uh, but he's he's one of the greats that it's a shame that the NFL has decided, especially on the network in recent years, uh-huh. that the only history that matters is the Super Bowl and anything that happened since 2012. Yeah, that, that's really unfortunate because none of this exists without all those amazing pioneers in the you know the twenties, the thirties, the forties, and the fifties, this game is not what it is today, which is literally um, you know the the biggest business in sports maybe in the world. And there's some fantastic stories to be told from that era. And also now with a lot of super fans, there's a lot of that footage on YouTube. So if you have uh, any kind of interest, I would suggest going and looking at that. So we got to talk about the Badgers because Chris actually was teaching <laughs> some of the Badgers about um, uh, career search and things this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I'm actually very 
very honored to, um, I, I travel the country and speak on career search and different topics. And seven years ago, uh, the Badgers um, asked me to write the career search curriculum for all of the athletes at UW-Madison. It's an incredible honor. I'm actually sitting here all dressed in red with red tennis shoes and a Wisconsin <laughs> Badgers sweatshirt on. And um, <clears throat> so I'm not only proud of, you know, there are a lot of people proud of the Badger athletic teams, but I'll, let me just t- say this really quickly and really clearly. They're athletes, but they're, they're fine young men and, and, and fine young women first and foremost. I have, not, I have been doing this now with hundreds and hundreds of athletes down there over seven years. I have yet to meet the person who didn't say, yes, sir, no, sir, Mr. Zarnick, thank you for coming. Um, we, we do a pretty good job here in Wisconsin, guys. You should hold your head high. Well, that's awesome to hear that, especially um, hearing people like that that are enjoying so much success. So the Badgers had a bit of a scare for a half in Nebraska, and then um, I was joking with my brother that I think Barry Alvarez picked up the phone and said, Paul, I know you're an ex-quarterback. I know you like to throw. Run my <laughs> offense for the next <laughs> – and Hornerbrook threw two passes. One was a clutch third down. One was a heck of a back shoulder throw to Cephas. Or Cephas. Uh, but the rest of it was all power O, running through the three hole. And I tell you what, Jonathan Taylor, including Ron Dane, might be the most impressive underclassman they've ever had. I, I think, you know, because he combines speed and power. You know, he, he breaks tackles. Uh, but, you know, on that 75-yard touchdown, which was amazing, right? Yeah. So, because uh, Nebraska comes out, throws that touchdown, stuns the Badgers, ties the game, and the very next play he breaks off a 75-yard and he runs away from everybody. Um, and so, and I think they ran the ball because, if you remember, that's not long after um, uh, Hornibrook yeah. stares down his receiver, stares down his receiver, stares down yeah. the receiver, gets baited in to a pick six. And then they just said, how about we put it into the hands of our 350-pound lineman like we've been doing for the last 25 years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hornybrook looks really good some, some yeah. weeks, and some weeks he looks really lost. But, uh, but when you can run the ball like that, passing should be a, a passing thought, actually. Absolutely. Run and the ball till they stop it. Jonathan Taylor reminds me instantly on the 75-yard touchdown run. The guy he reminds me of is Larry Johnson, the ex-Penn State oh, yeah. guy and yeah, the Kansas absolutely. City Chief. When you watch him, you're like, he can't be that fast because it's a real smooth motion. It's a very long stride, and then he just keeps running away from people. You would have sworn that he was about to get caught yeah. uh, on that really long run, and he just – I don't think he was pulling away, but he, he kept that separation. And to be that big and that strong and have moves in the hole – I mean, yeah. he reads the hole really well. Um, he looks like a running back, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like Aaron Jones looks like a running back, right? Reads the blocks – makes the hole, makes the jump cut, and then goes and gets what he can. So I think we're in good hands. And, and remember, Shaw was supposed to be the, yeah. the next back up. And Shaw looks a little bit like um, like Williams yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. He gets the ball, he runs up somebody's back, and then they pull him out and put uh, – you know, puts the other guy back in. Well, with the Badgers, they're going to be favored for the rest of the season. Michigan lost, yeah. which sort of hurts. Um, my father-in-law is a graduate from Michigan State, so their whole family is Michigan State people. So I'm always a little happy for them uh, when Michigan goes down. Um, well, and my and my uh, my daughter um, uh, and and her family are huge Michigan State fans as well. So I'm guessing there was a little party at there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Jim Harbaugh. Anytime he loses is a fun day for uh, all of us over here. <laughs> The thing I I think they have a really good shot of running the table, but it's always tough with conference play. I think we mentioned this last week. Who thought Clemson would lose in Death Valley to Pittsburgh? Right. You know, you're probably going to trip up somewhere. But if you don't, Penn State 
they're not going to fall down to you 31 to 7 this year. I think Penn right. State is a legit contender. I think right now with all these teams falling off, Alabama, Clemson and Penn State, one of those three is your national champion. I think so. So so here's my dream. Uh, we talked last week about will Wisconsin ever win the national championship. I think the answer is no because we don't have the skilled players that we need to win at the wide receiver and the cornerback position. Here's my dream. My dream is that we go undefeated. We don't get into the championship series. We scream and yell uh, about how unjust it was and beat our chest about being undefeated instead of going into Alabama <laughs> and getting beat 31-3. to <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I sort of get that because then – Hornibrook is more seasoned, and then Jonathan Taylor's more seasoned. Right. And then if you're a one-loss team, they'll put you in the following year. Mm-hmm. But I think, going back to what you said, if that happened, I'd be incredibly disappointed because you're the Badgers. You're going to have to take that risk and take the swing every time you get it. Even if Alabama beats you 42 to nothing, you're the Badgers. You might go to the playoffs once every 10 years, once every 20 years. No, I think I think that's true. I, you know, I, I'm saying it half in jest because Absolutely, I'm such a big yeah. Badger fan that when you get, you know, if you remember uh, how bad the Badgers were in the 90s, and I lived through that, you 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 remember when you had to hang your head. You know, instead of me walking proudly with my chest pushed out with this Badger, uh, with this Badger uh, sweatshirt on, you know, we were hanging our heads. So I I just you know I just hate any time. Listen, Alabama could beat a number. Of pro football, I really do. I think yeah. they could beat the Jets. I think they, I think they could beat uh, South Mariota. Um, you know, I think they could beat um, Tennessee down yep. there. So, I mean, you have your power. That they're they're who they are. You'd take your swing if you got it. But um, I got to tell you, we just again enjoy this. If you're young and know nothing but winning Badger football, enjoy this because. Um, you know, when it gets lean, it gets lean for a long time. But we have a really amazing program down there now. Yeah, absolutely. So this could be the potential to be one of the more special years. There are definitely some roadblocks ahead. But hey, just like the Packers, they're in the mix. Exactly right. You can, you know, you have to, you get, you have to get into it. Absolutely. So if you want to be in the mix on Green and Gold Forever, you can do so on social media. You can follow the Green and Gold Forever page on Facebook. That's Green and Gold Forever podcast on Facebook. That's where some of our great comments came today. You can follow us on Twitter at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four Chris four ah, 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 ah. just like the count number four <laughs> there, you, there you go the number four uh, you can also email us uh, green and gold podcast at gmail.com uh, you can green gold forever on YouTube we have some of our old archive stuff on there um, but our complete archives are most easily reached using our podbean page green gold forever dot podbean dot com we have old um, our, our entire archives but also some blog posts as well a lot of history stuff that I've written about over the years so if that's uh, something I can't imagine you've made it to this point in the show if history of the NFL is not something that's important to you. Yeah, either that or you need more. You need more to do. Yeah, you or get out more. Or your phone is seriously broken and but, you can't do anything. But if you started listening to to all the podcasts and all the stuff that's archived in there, and you started now, you mm-hmm. get home from work, start every night. You, you still probably couldn't get through all of it by the time we got here back next week. So there's a lot of information <laughs> yeah. there, uh, a lot of good archive material. And I'm telling you guys, I've been doing this with Eric just for just for about a month and a half now. If you want to know the wizard of football history, you got him here. So I hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> well, I would say take Chris's advice. And take it on the go. Uh, You can do so on iTunes and uh, download the iTunes uh, podcast app if you haven't already. Uh, Follow us on there. Uh, Rate, subscribe, and leave a review if you're so inclined. And then also Podbean itself, the Podbean app with our complete archive. So iTunes only takes you back a few years. 
the uh, Podbean app takes you all the way back to 2012, which is, as Chris recommended, you can hear about, you know, Omade uh, mentioned Mason Crosby's terrible uh, Jerry Kramer straight-on kicker-esque season. <laughs> you can go listen to that. Uh, there's tons of other uh, great moments throughout the last five years of Packers history. You can listen to our real-time reactions to those on the Podbean app. So please follow us on there and also rate the show while you're there. So... Next week, on the next episode of the podcast, are we going to be talking about another Packers win on the road against another potential playoff team? Yeah, I think you have a really good team there. It, it kind of depends on um, uh, if, if – I don't know if Bradford's going to play or not. Yeah, I guess we'll find out tonight. Yeah, I think, I think so tonight. I, I think the Packers are a better team. Um, the Vikings offense doesn't scare me like the Cowboys offense does, uh, especially not with, without Cook. And i got to tell you that – he was going to be fantastic. The, the, yeah. uh, the, the, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. yeah, Dalvin Cooks. Thank you very much for that. He was just fantastic. And if they had Dalvin Cook, I think I might be thinking differently. But I think I think another high-scoring affair because the Packers uh, forget to play defense occasionally. Yeah. I think 31-28 Packers. Yeah, I think you're right. I, uh, the Packers have a really good shot at, at winning this game, particularly if David Bakhtiari plays. If Sam Bradford doesn't play, it could get out of hand pretty quick. I think so, too. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll take what we can get. I think if you had got out of this six-game stretch with a four and two record you would have been very happy with that and that's already in the bank and if you want to see what real defense looks like you'll get your chance next week there you go unfortunately we'll be wearing purple (laughs) and if you want to see adam thalen turn into jordy nelson you you also can watch that as well (laughs) all right so thank you so much for joining us this was just a fantastic week aaron Rodgers is amazing uh this team is on a roll and if the defense can get just a little bit better um who knows what can happen? Yeah, we are the cardiac pack this week. Absolutely. Let's let's try to be like the uh, the lounge pack, the boring pack, the the, the workman pack, <laughs> or something like that. Like so, Vince Workman. There you, you know. go. Exactly right. There so. you go. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can talk about another win next week. Take care, everyone.